0: This episode of Zero Brightness is brought to you by you. You can head to patreon.com slash Brightness to sign up to support the show directly and get bonus content multiple times per week. Thank you to everyone who supports the show, and I look forward to meeting more of you soon. So today's episode is very special because it is a conversation that I was lucky enough to have with an anonymous employee of Activision. Yes, that Activision, the one that is currently undergoing a bunch of scrutiny from the media and as of late the federal government. Now, these inquiries are still ongoing, so I think it's important to mention a few disclaimers before we get into it. First of all, this was recorded about a week and a half ago, so, you know, closer to mid-September. So, if certain things have changed since then, you know, we couldn't take that into account during our conversation and In future, more things may change. So this episode might date itself eventually, but it's just important to note this was recorded mid-September 2021. Second, the views of my guests do not represent the views of the company. They don't represent the views of the organization that they speak about at some point in the episode. They really only represent my guests' specific views. Furthermore, when I speak, my views only represent myself and not my guests or anybody else's in the known universe. Finally, my guest is a member of an organization called A Better ABK, and that's an organization representing employees of Activision Blizzard King, which is the parent company of every individual corporation that we're talking about within this episode. This organization is basically dedicated to helping employees organize and uh, petition for better working conditions and things of that sort. I'm really excited to bring you guys this episode because the whole impetus behind it for me personally was that I wanted to talk to someone who worked at one of these big companies and see how they felt about these issues and the ongoing struggle to improve working conditions and end harassment and sexism in the workplace. It's a really interesting conversation because I think it really puts it in perspective by removing it from that context of video games. You know, we talk about video games, we talk about the wider landscape of video games, but at the end of the day, I really think this is just a workers' rights issue. It's a human rights issue, and I was really glad that I was able to get that perspective from someone who works at this company, you know, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy this and find this informative. So I will get out of the way and let's just enjoy the episode. Here we go. Okay. So you were kind enough to come on the show to talk to me about some of the kind of labor disputes and stuff that's going on at Activision, which I'm very psyched about. Um, Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting because, you know, we talked a little bit before we recorded last week and it seems that we are kind of in the middle of this nationwide, like new labor movement, you know, Mm. and it seems that like what's going on at Activision is just like kind of part of that. You know, there's news breaking now about like a strike in film and TV production. There's tons of different, even like smaller industries and businesses that are kind of moving towards unionization and trying to deal with like fair labor practices uh and so i think it's it's super important to like talk about this stuff so yeah i'm 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 psyched that we're actually gonna get to chat and get to talk about this issue
1: yeah of course yeah i'm glad to uh be propagandizing (laughs) (laughs) yeah i should stress that um i i mean i'm only just uh Speaking for myself, like, not only do my opinions not necessarily represent uh, the views of other employees, but they most certainly don't represent the views of the company. Right. I just, I have to say that sort of.
0: Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. (laughs) And like, we kind of talked about this beforehand, but as someone who has myself, like, worked in music, which is a super volatile industry full of really really horrible people. Uh <laughs> I have to do disclaimers and bleep things like all the time. Actually yes. actually the other day one of my friends did like a podcast and he kind of mentioned like a story that I told him about a company that he used to work at and he like had them bleep the company and then like I texted him and I was like, yo, thanks dude. Good. Like it wasn't a huge deal, but I was like, good looking out basically. Yeah. I mean the little sort of stuff, like, I mean,
1: all it takes is one catch and especially with these big companies like Activision, I mean, they're a multi-billion dollar organization. Like if people don't think, I mean, we already know that they are monitoring employees, Personal social media accounts, mm-hmm. and not only do they monitor them, they will then reach out to the employees through corporate networks, like either through Slack or through uh, HR emails, to be like, "Hey, so, uh, you know, how you doing?" Like, <laughs>
0: wow,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's sketchy. Yeah, so, but we already know. So, I mean, that's and like, um, they've hired. Uh, the law firm Wilmer Hale. I know this is people have written about this. Like I'm sketchy on the exact details of whatever specific bad things they've done, but you know, they've, it's been written about like union busting law firm, Wilmer Hale, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, um, So just the idea that they wouldn't or can't afford to take extraordinary measures to monitor employees and try to control the situation I think is um would be naive.
0: Yeah, for sure. And this is probably a good place to kind of drop in just like a quick recap of what happened, which is mm. basically, you know, it broke. There were news stories breaking about allegations of misconduct at Activision Blizzard. A lot of it was centered around Blizzard and the presence of some of the like, higher-ups who work on things like World of Warcraft. And you know, without getting into the exact details of it, because people can go and read those articles and get that for themselves, it's essentially that there was a culture that was super toxic and that was super misogynistic. And generally, it was like... You know, noted that there was some pretty pretty extreme like mistreatment of employees, and so as a response to this, it does seem that there was a company wide shakeup. Like the CEO left, some of uh, you know some other higher ups in the company left. Anybody who was kind oh, of oh,
1: I think it was the um, I think it was the president of Blizzard. Okay, yeah, of Blizzard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a whole complicated thing—the the corporate structuring that we can—I don't know a lot about, but we can kind of get into.
0: Right. Yeah. So this Blizzard thing hit. I guess. Yeah. I should clarify. I'm talking about Blizzard, um, which Activision owns Blizzard, and Activision also owns King. Which is like the company that does Candy Crush. That was the big... That's right. When they acquired that, that was the big get, was Candy Crush.
1: Yeah, so the parent company is ABK. That's Activision Blizzard King. And they're the publisher. And then Blizzard still exists as a studio, but it's owned by Activision. Right.
0: Yes. And so... In the aftermath of this, there was a big shakeup at Blizzard. You know, it's like there were people leaving. There there was a lot of consternation from like media and from gamers. Like people just didn't know how to respond or what to do. And in the aftermath of that, I think that's where things got really, really murky. And that was kind of why I... As someone who like cares about this stuff and who comments on this stuff, even though I don't work in the industry or have any ties to it at all, like mm. that's when I was like, "Oh, I actually want to do an episode like this and would like to talk to someone, you know, if not someone who works like at this company or one of these companies, like something similar, you know?" Because I was like, yeah. "I really want to get like someone's perspective on this stuff," even though once again, you are just speaking for yourself, uh, right? But, <laughs> but it
1: reflects. I mean, I have my Personal opinions about everything, but like I mean, it's a it's a public story, so yeah,
0: for sure. And also, it's like I just wanted someone who had had the experience, you know, or had had some experience like within this kind of environment. But the thing about the situation that gets really weird and murky is that, like you were saying, I mean, so after the story broke and there's this big shakeup at Blizzard. It seems like, and you can correct me here if I'm wrong, it seems like there was just a wider push at the company to have better treatment of employees and better working conditions and so workers started to organize and there still isn't like a union, like there isn't Mm. a labor union, but there is at least one organization that I know of that's like employees who are organizing to try and get better treatment of workers at these companies, like throughout all the companies that are under that ABK banner. Is that correct? Am I getting that right? Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, so I'll tell you how I got into it personally, because it reflects the sort of division in the structure of the company. Uh, all these allegations, I'm sure people knew about this stuff. Um, the things that are specifically in the suit filed by the California department of, uh, fair employment and housing. Right. Um, but that was not only, well, that wasn't even the first I heard of it. The first I heard of it was one day I was at work and I do, um, quality assurance testing for Activision, uh, publishing. Right. In, in, um, minnesota so i was at work one day and all of a sudden they were like oh we're having a zoom meeting with you know one of the head qa people so i got into the zoom meeting and this guy was like looking all dejected and he was like ah so i'm sure you've all heard the news and like so i'm just having this session in case any of you have any questions or about what's going on and i was like yeah what is going on like what are you talking (laughs) about (laughs) <laughs> cuz so I'm not a games person in my free time. I don't follow like the subculture or the or the or the bigger market culture of it at all. Right. Um so I'm a bit out of the loop on this sort of stuff. But anyway, so he started explaining the the lawsuit filed by like California DFEH and I was googling about it and reading like which I do I mean I was going to say I encourage people to read the filing document. I don't really encourage it because some of the allegations are really really horrendous. Yeah. And like, can I swear? Do you have an explicit tag on your <laughs> yeah, show? Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah it's that. fucking gross. Like yeah. this shit is horrible in there. I mean, like and that is just the stuff that they put in the document like who knows what else they have evidence of right or let alone everything that's happened since then anyway so we had this meeting with the head qa guy and that, that was the first i ever heard of this lawsuit and then a couple of days later we were going to have um a so-called all hands meeting with a guy called josh Taub. i think is how you pronounce it he's the chief operating officer of activision publishing
0: right
1: and um that was supposed to be I think all of the QA people or maybe even more I don't know I don't I'm not sure how many hands was all the hands but regardless only 500 people were able to get into the Zoom call because they didn't set their you know room parameters correctly oh uh, sure and they're like oh well we'll do another one tomorrow to get the other half of the people who couldn't make it into this one due to our technical fuck up and <laughs> sure. this guy was just like his response was just like really non-committal, and I can't remember anything specific from it because it was just so sort of like vague uh, corporate kind of mush mouth stuff where it's like ah, this doesn't mean anything and um, they had although left the chat open on this zoom call sure and so a bunch of the employees in the chat were like well um what can we do to like make sure this sort of stuff doesn't happen to our fellow employees anymore? And a lot of people were like, uh, we should probably start a union or something. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so from there I noted the names of one of the people in the zoom call who had made such a comment and I reached out to them vaguely through our corporate controlled Slack network, which is where we do our like day to day uh, work. Right. And I was like, Oh, do you have a personal like email? I might be able to contact you at. And then basically um, through a series of, off corporate network communications we ended up in contact with the people who had organized the response to the lawsuit at at the i think i don't know if it's the headquarters of the whole organization or just blizzard that's in california but either way they have some big they refer to it as the campus there and after the lawsuit got filed a bunch of employees there organized a walkout Um, like they went to work in the morning and then walked out and held a protest outside of the building all day. Right. And they had also sent around an open letter for employees to sign that was, you know, about kind of demanding recognition of like a proper response or any kind of like meaningful or humane response from the company in any way. Right. Right. Um, and that letter went around and got published to press before I saw it or anybody who I immediately work with, who I asked, saw it. like all of us, this is, this is kind of getting to the division in the company. Um, I just, I want to stress that like, yeah, we do like, there's sort of, um, um, Confusion or or a useful ambiguity with the difference between Blizzard and ABK as the whole organization, right? And up front, there might have been some confusion about that as well. At this point, like as far as we're concerned, like I think um, there's no real the 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 accountability goes or perhaps the lack of accountability extends throughout the whole organization. Right. From the lowest levels to the highest levels. And so there is like, um, basically just in response to the kind of totally bungled internal handling of this stuff coming out, a lot of employees were just rightfully frustrated or uh, you know alienated or you know worse victims of you know active exploitation and harassment right uh, and it did it did just sort of i don't know kind of coalesce in After basically after they or they it was a blizzard centric thing to organize this walkout and then after that happened everybody else in the company was sort of aware of what was going on and all kind of got on board, basically.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um Yeah, and I think that is like a good point that the kind of murkiness about their corporate structure I think has kind of worked in the advantage of the company because when people are reporting on it it gets really confusing and even just talking about it is like kind of confusing you know yeah
1: I realized I went on a long ramble there trying to do because it is it's quite I mean they definitely take advantage of the obscurity of the structure right and then they can say like oh well you know we had um, the president of Blizzard or whatever his title was who was named and one of like two people specifically named in the lawsuit And then they can be like, well, that we let that person go. Mm -hmm. Um, but everybody, I mean, employees can kind of, that doesn't have any effect on me and my coworkers in QA in Minnesota who might still be, you know, having their coworkers constantly misgender them or whatever. Right. Some high up going to some different high up position. That doesn't really help us.
0: Right, yeah, for sure And I think that one thing that makes this whole thing Also very confusing And also one of the reasons I want to do this episode Because when I was reading coverage of it I was super unhappy Because the way Mm. people were talking about it Was just really boneheaded, in my opinion You know, (laughs) is that like It seems that within the like gaming space, in terms of consumers and people who are just like reading the news about it and whatever, there isn't a lot of like knowledge about or experience with like unions, labor struggles, collective bargaining. And like, that's okay. I'm not trying to like rip on people for like not knowing this, but it is something that you kind of have to like know a little bit about before you like pop off with an opinion. And I would hope so yeah and I kind of felt that a lot of the coverage of it was just trying to steer people back to like well you could still just buy whatever you want or play whatever you want like don't worry about it but also this Mm. like horrifying shit is happening and it's like well I don't I don't think that's true personally like yeah (laughs) I don't think that's how that works It seems split. I mean, to me, as an
1: outsider, like, from the gaming kind of culture, it seems like there's a split, a pretty stark split between people who are either, like, um, very on board with all this or super not on board with it. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, it seems like game people are all fairly... uh, I don't want to describe like Gamergate types as culturally savvy. (laughs) Although I will say they have like a a sort of, you know, wide internet presence. Yeah. Like they, they take up a significant chunk of kind of cultural attention.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: And, um, but it also seems like a lot of game people are, again, I don't want to necessarily say left wing, but like, at least very down with like you know not discriminating against people based on their identities or like gender inclusiveness Mm -hmm. or you know just like not being an asshole yeah (laughs) for sure like i I think like i mean it, it, it speaks to me as like i mean i played games when i was a kid right like i'm 30 years old now so i grew up with you know the like uh original playstation and nintendo 64 yeah and, um, I mean, I remember when playing video games was not cool. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. Like you were a nerd uh-huh. and it, like, um, it, it, like, oh, why did I bring that up? Well now it's, so now it's like, it's like that people of my generation, roughly having had that experience. It's like, where do you go? from having been a nerd, right? Do you mm-hmm. develop empathy for other people who were bullied and exploited or do you become embittered and like a fucking jerk and, and yeah. like take out your, your feelings of inadequacy on other people?
0: Yeah. Oh man. Not to get too psychology about, we could stick to materialism. Oh I guess. man. No, you know, <laughs> Oh God. I have that conversation all the time with so many different types of things. Like, you know, you talk about your experience as a kid and there's so many different experiences where it's like, yeah, you're either going to be maybe a, a more empathetic person to some degree because you had that experience or like you're going to be an asshole because <laughs> like you're just going to carry that around with you forever. And right. Yeah. game, You know, yeah. Nerd culture, game culture, whatever has definitely like borne that out in terms of like people being either like very nice or just like the absolute (laughs) worst. Like even just doing this show, I've come into contact with both. Like we have a Mm. super nice inclusive community and then I also get crazy hate mail. (laughs) It's like, interesting.
1: All right. And I'm sure, and I'm sure nobody takes the time to be like, Oh, you know, I sort of moderately enjoyed this. Like it was all right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. never hear that.
0: feedback. Yeah. You only
1: hear one or the other.
0: Yeah. There's a bunch of silent people. Uh, yeah, exactly. But <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it's yeah. And I and I feel, too, that it's like with this specific issue that there has been a push to keep people away from it. So there are all these people who are sort of approaching it like it's another gaming thing. You know what I uh, mean? Right, you know, yes. And that's just, well, partially it's because there is this culture built up around gaming that has its own, I don't know, tropes or behaviors or, I guess, customs, if you want to approach it like mm-hmm. sociology or something. But at the same time, now you're dealing with a bigger issue that is outside of that. And so it needs to have like a different approach. But we live in America, America has been trying to get people away from this for so long. Trying to be like, oh, unions yeah. are bad. You don't want to pay dues. Or like, <laughs> you know, oh, like this this doesn't matter. I mean, workers already have so many rights. They can sue, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, n- none of this is true. It's literally all false.
1: So you said, you mentioned before that there was like, it's not a union, but there is an organization I hesitate to even call it that a bunch of employees uh-huh. all together um who are organizing internally for you know better conditions right, and they do have um a formalized list of demands that has both been sent and published in the media and sent to executives at the company and so like for instance, what that made me think like my perspective on this is that. The formalized list of demands doesn't have anything to do with games, right? Right. For instance, the first one is an end to uh, mandatory mandatory arbitration clauses in all employee contracts, because um, arbitration usually just, uh, you know, ends up protecting abusers or uh, enabling retaliation or. Like you said that that sort of stuff arbitration clauses frequently prevent people from being able to sue their employer, right you know, should anything happen to them in the building that the employer owns or whatever yeah, so we, that's one of the things that they want to get, especially when it comes to like sexual harassment stuff, which right. again i don't i can't i'm'm I'm not I'm gonna refrain from like harping too much on the details of like the stuff that's alleged to have happened because for me personally, as you know, like a cisgendered white heterosexual man, I'm shielded from a lot of this. The, what they describe as the quote unquote frat boy culture of the company. Right. Like I don't really see that. Right. Um, Which is not me trying to be like, well, I've never seen it happen. It's like, I know that it happens. I mean, people have told me that it happens. Right. People like, and I believe them. I don't really feel comfortable like telling other people's stories for yeah, them. Yeah, for sure. So I have a very sort of like conceptual take on all of this. Yeah. The culture around gaming, I think in that way, mirrors the culture of everything else. Right. Like, it, it's people don't. Hmm. People want to consume I was going to say people don't want to consume politics but that's not true people I think want to consume politics in in the way that they want it they yeah. only want to consume what they already want to hear or something that they know is going to piss them off and they kind of indulge in out of you know whatever that sort of impulse is
0: yeah, rage
1: posting and uh, etc. For me, looking on in the inside, all of the stuff that we're trying to do basically doesn't have anything to do with the games, right? Um, but I would say the connection between these things is. It seems to me like people really complain a lot about um, like hackers and in, in in Call of Duty or whatever, right? Um, or maybe on a broader level, just the the way that games have become a sort of um like shelving unit for microtransactions and there's just this sort of constant churn of content and it's all just sort of equally like empty and as uh, people really prioritizing a sort of transaction-based online in, in experience. Right. And I think if, if, if people are dissatisfied with what they perceive to be a sort of abstract decline in quality of games, however they might conceive of that, it's because these companies don't care about making games. Yeah. They care about making money. I mean, these, I'm talking about Activision specifically because right. I can't speak to anything else. And I'm sure, and even then, Activision owns a bunch of smaller studios. I'm, I know for a fact that like, the developers and the artists and everybody like are super passionate and work really, really hard and love what they do. But the executives don't care about that. Right. I mean, the executives, uh, the, I don't know the actual story behind this, but, um, the current CEO, uh, Bobby Kotick, I think is how you pronounce it. He, he bought Activision. He's just like some rich, you know, shareholder guy. Right. And he bought Activision when it was called, you know, like Mediagenic Incorporated. And it was like th- millions of dollars in debt or whatever. And just turned it into this profit generating kind of machine. Right. And now all of our, all of our, uh, or many of our executives are just sort of cycled in from, you know, the NFL or Disney or the Bush, administration, the Bush administration or the yeah. CIA. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's so, it's so, yeah. it's just it's a mirror. Of, it's like you're saying, it's part of a broader kind of labor movement. Like, I see what we're doing. I'm QA. We're contractors. I have, we have a whole set like we have our own priorities amongst all this. Right. Um, I see what we're doing as equivalent to like what workers at Amazon or Starbucks or Uber or Frito-Lay are trying to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Or like, or there's this local store. I don't know if this ever caught on, but like, did you hear about uh, I don't know where this was. Somewhere outside of Minneapolis, uh, a worker was killed at a Menards when they made him use a forklift without any training. Did yeah. you hear about this? Yeah. Yep. I hear yeah. about this. Yeah. And um, like, it was just sort of, I mean, like, I know exploitation goes on all the time, but maybe it is just a matter of, Like you were saying, a certain amount of shit happens and people are just like, can you believe this? Like, have you seen that? Like, again, like, really? Like, it just reaches a sort of saturation point of being like, dude, this is not like how you have a society.
0: Yeah. And that's what I think a couple things that are unique about this situation. It's not unique that a large corporation (laughs) treats its employees like shit and exploits them. Unfortunately, that is not unique. But. What is unique is that it happens over this horrible hell year where everything is dangerous and everybody is doing bad. And people reach this, like you're saying, a saturation point where it's just like, I can't take anymore. This is fucking bullshit. They can't treat us like this. Like Mm -hmm. they really expect us to work now in this way. And I think the other thing is that people are finally kind of grasping that it's like The entire economy and infrastructure of the world has changed at its core, right? Like we've had digital media and we've had all this kind of stuff. We've had like online storefronts and all that stuff for years now, like years and years. Like we're around the same age and that stuff has existed for pretty much our whole lives. Yet at the same time, I think the pandemic really made everyone realize that it's like, oh, this is like a huge part of our lives and it's going to be the future. Like Mm. we're not, you know, globally, we're not going to reverse course. Right. And I think that's why this like labor movement right now is so important. Why these conversations are so important because it's like, we're standing at these crossroads of like, okay, if people are just going to use companies like Amazon, like, I don't think we're all realizing the solution isn't like yelling at people to just stop. It's like, no, we just need to get them to treat their employees better, you know, yeah. or it's like people are looking at things like video games. It's like, dude, video games are a huge entertainment industry. They're massively popular and the most popular ones are going to come from these big companies. That genie's not going back in the bottle. Like we just have to get these companies to not treat their employees like shit so i think everyone having that realization at the same time while also being scared of catching covid is like oh fuck like (laughs) you know like this shit is fucked up man yeah
1: it's pretty bad i mean um it certainly is like uh just the you know heightening of contradictions to the point of unsustainability i mean when I applied for the job, I was under the impression I was going to be working in the office Mm -hmm. and then COVID hit and lockdowns hit and they had to come up with their work from home program just on the fly. And I was in like the very first group of people who they trained in on work from home, just totally fucking winging it. Right. And I mean, for me personally, it's really, great like again this is why uh, it's got me kind of fucked up because like the only jobs I personally I've had before this have all been you know uh, like retail or food service which is not um, let's say equally uh, if not more so in a precarious position nowadays yeah Um. But so this, my current job is like fucking great compared to that. Right. And like work from home has been a huge boon for me. Um, It's helped a lot of people. Uh, Again, like for me, it's just sort of nice and convenient. And yeah, it reduces my kind of level of ambient anxiety and like the amount I have to drive a car, which is nice. But for other people, work from home is like a fucking lifesaver and like it, it, it's like for people who are you know neurodivergent or like face regular harassment at the workplace yeah or are just you know like don't want to catch COVID like uh, yeah it just is and then like you're saying to see the, the proliferation of digital technologies is sort of like this is perhaps a bigger systemic thing um people are like why if we can do all this stuff from home on this like semi dispersed network why should we all have to like come and do this kind of performative trudgery in an office yeah. you know f- for the kind of satisfaction of the higher-ups to like watch us toil and yeah. <laughs> keel over on the assembly line it's like you don't even have to have any sort of like theory or you know you don't have to be up on your Marxist dogma to just kind of be facing the practical realities of like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get paid $15 an hour um, to face a fairly imminent risk of death like that's
0: not worth it yeah oh for sure and I think once again it's like dude like I was I mean I've always been very far left and like you know, but I definitely feel like I just kept creeping further and further that way just from having shitty bosses. Cause you realize that like, or landlords. Oh fuck. Well, fucking. Oh my God, (laughs) dude. The other day we were talking about like landlord stuff. And one of my friends was like, you've had like the most nightmare landlords. I'm like, yeah, I know, man. Like, (laughs) but with bosses, it's funny that I kept cause once again, music industry, some of the same problems. And I kept having these same sorts of bosses in that sphere who really just make it clear that all that kind of stuff, like, oh, like coming into an office or following these certain procedures and rules or whatever, is just a control thing. Like, mm. it's only about control. It's not about quality. It's not about the product. It's not about the consumer or customer service or anything. Right. It's just control. And so, yeah, I've, I kind of have always had that mindset. But I think for a lot of people, the pandemic just illustrated that it's like, oh, like half of the things that I have to do at my job are about control. Mm-hmm. And it's about the fact that my boss or you know someone higher up in the corporate structure wants control and they want to demonstrate to their bosses that they have control. And yeah, like at a certain point, you're just like, well, this is hurting people right which is a a moral problem but then it's also like well it's also hurting your products like if you have no morals and you don't care and you view people as just like you know automatons even for you this is a problem because like you are you know you're hurting the the quality of the products you're putting out because you're treating your employees like shit Right. And I mean,
1: if you're supposed to be like some sort of entertainer and like providing a kind of light in people's dismal and hopeless lives, and you're just like a total psychopath who hates other human beings and is motivated by nothing but your own, you know, craven pursuit of pleasure, of course the products you end up releasing are going to be these just like depraved, you know. (laughs) I mean, I, I maybe sound a little moralistic about this. Like, I, so I work on Call of Duty Warzone. Uh, my day, my actual job, and um, only the other day did I, for the first time, see some of the like campaign mode stuff in whatever the current iteration of Call of Duty is called. I'm not sure, but any, it's like the the second level of the thing is this like horrendously photorealistic. Uh, like terrorist attack in London where all these people are just like blowing themselves up and like shooting civilians on the street. And it's like, you're, you're in like fucking Piccadilly circus or whatever. And then there's just like all these, you know, kind of vague, it's, it's, it's insinuated that they're Arab. Right. But Uh like not in any kind of specific way, just like slaughtering all these like white, Londoners. Yeah. And and you kind of have to maneuver your way through it, you know, carefully aim. And I was like, this is
0: horrible. Like, what kind of fucking MK Ultra brainwashing shit is this? Like, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, that, so that's like, man, you know, and that's like why I think this whole topic of like, you know, consumer choices and like kind of examining the companies that release this stuff is so important because it's like, yeah, like if, if a company puts out that kind of stuff that I think could very um, reasonably be viewed as like like pro-war propaganda you know sure like then you it is I think totally fair to look at the people who work there and like it's like okay where do they come from where are they getting these people it's like oh they appeal from the Bush administration and they yeah, make this yeah, stuff yeah. it's like oh that's kind of fucked up and like also yeah I mean man I I'll try and keep this brief. Cause I could go on about this all day. And I do eventually, I want to do an episode of this show. I already kind of pitched it to like some audience members and they were like, that's messed up. You should do that. But I want to watch, I want to try and watch like hours and hours and hours of like cutscenes from war video games and then try mm. and like psychoanalyze them. So I'm yeah, probably going to yeah, do yeah. that at some point and then immediately just like have to like go into therapy or something. But sure. um, <laughs> like
1: for yeah, me, I saw Reagan was, you know, mo-capped into some <laughs> one of the, I think it's cold war.
0: Yeah. Digital Reagan really is kind of where I got the idea. Cause I was like, when they announced that, or that game came out, I was like, I need to go watch every cutscene with Digital Reagan. because <laughs> this is too. That's like too far, and he it, they make man, yeah, they make him look really good. He's like. You know he's back on the saddle, the gunslinger. You know, like oh, perfect, yeah, old, like old Ronnie Reggs. You know, he's like yeah. He's they like should have an version. unlockable skin where you can play as him. <laughs> you can be the cowboy version. You know, <laughs> from the from the movies. You know, yes, but, right. Back when he was a union president. <laughs> <laughs> fuck the irony. Um, but yeah, it's like that. That stuff has always really bugged me because well, it's like I'm Arab and I grew up. In I, I came of age like around nine eleven, and so like oh yeah sure my whole like teenage years and political you know being becoming very politically aware and all that stuff was like in the shadow of nine eleven and like putting mm. up with like tons of fucking racism you mm-hmm. know in real life and in the media and like blah 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 and yeah it's just it's really interesting because like even like in the context of this show when people are like oh like are you ever going to talk about this This and it's like no like there's things that I just won't talk about because it's like I'll talk about why I think it fucking sucks but it's like (laughs) I'm like I'll never pay money to like watch a bunch of like Arab people get killed like especially if it's like a mainstream entertainment product that is kind of like reinforcing that shit and so it's just kind of like you know I mean if we're, you know, if we're going to start like analyzing this stuff and thinking about this stuff, it's like, Oh, like, do we feel that these companies are trustworthy? If this is the kind of thing that just kind of gets a pass always. Mm. (laughs) And, and I feel like there, there is some examination there that once again, like it just totally gets bypassed, you know? And it's, it kind of becomes this like extreme position for me to take when it's like, I don't, I don't think it's extreme like like I've been to the Middle East and I've like seen (laughs) what imperialism looks like firsthand because it's like you know it's like I was in Lebanon in peacetime and that's where my family's from It's Lebanon Mm. and uh, I was in I was in Lebanon in peacetime and shit was just all torn the fuck up and it's like oh yeah Yeah, this is like american funded you know like america funds israel who comes here and like blows up half of like a city where like half of it is like gorgeous and is like super vibrant and the other half is just like bombed out and so it's like yeah like that that fucking blows man like (laughs) so so it's like i you know to to Uh, simplify it i obviously mm -hmm. i'm being reductive but uh You know, and so it's just kind of like I I don't trust these these companies and I don't think that consumers should either like and that's why I think these kind of things are so important because it's like if these companies want our trust speaking as from consumer side, if they want our trust and they want our money and even if they want their employees to feel comfortable working for them, they should be bending over backwards to be Mm -hmm. like. Oh, like we're going to, you know, try and be ethical or try and treat people good. And like, blah, blah, blah. And (laughs) and so that's why like when they do something like that lawsuit gets filed and they bring in someone to basically audit their company, that's like a union busting law firm. It's like, Oh, that looks really bad. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And people are sort of getting savvy enough to see,
1: to be on top of that kind of thing. I mean, they kind of benefit from it just being interminably boring and that, like, you kind of take it for granted that every billion dollar corporation is, like, actively doing horrible things. Right. I saw this even in the response to Wilmer Hale. People were like, well, yeah, they did union busting, but, like, they're just a big law firm. Like, they do a little bit of everything. It's like, well, yeah, but that's not really a ringing endorsement. Yeah. And I mean, so that goes back to like um, the the demands of the employees. I'll hit them real quick here because that's relevant. Yeah. Um. Like the first one I said already is an end to mandatory arbitration clauses. Yeah. In all employee contracts. Um. The other, the second one is um. We want to adopt you know recruiting and hiring policies that. Uh, actually will affect um, diversity and inclusion and pay equality across the whole organization. Like a lot of the things that are alleged in the DFEH lawsuit are related to um, women and non-binary people and people of color being systemically underpaid and passed over for promotion And so we want the company to actually do something about that instead of just saying that they have like programs in place to help facilitate the et cetera, et cetera. The third one is um, uh, compensation transparency, like publication of data on compensation uh, across the organization, which is related to the previous one.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then... um, Finally, and perhaps most dauntingly, so Activision has what they call a diversity, equity, and inclusion task force. I'm not really sure what they actually do right uh-huh. now. I don't want to malign the people. Like I'm sure that the people, the individual employees, some of whom I know who are in this group, are 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 well meaning and genuine about it. But I imagine they're sort of hampered, right, in what they can actually affect. Yeah. Um. So we want. An employee input on hiring a third party to come in and audit, you know, the 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 structure and the HR department and the executive staff for the whole organization, like not Wilmer Hale, but something that we the employees have input on. Yeah, Um, I personally think these are all like very moderate things, and it's it's easy for the company to say that they're doing things to address this sort of stuff um but yeah i do think it just becomes i mean as as like i don't know information just moves faster now and it's sort of like when 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 you're um So the executive who's from the the Bush administration is, uh, Francis Townsend. And not only was she just in that administration, but she was like an advisor on counterterrorism, which, Uh you know, you might as well just say torturing people. Yeah. And she's currently the executive vice president of corporate affairs for ABK, whatever that means. Right. Yeah.
0: It doesn't sound good Um, at (laughs) all.
1: No, it's it's a high up. She's you know what they who's the C suite executives as it were, yeah. and like so she, um got dragged pretty hard on Twitter, a couple months ago, and was like blocking, you know, just low level regular Activision employees, and yeah, just as a bad look, right? <laughs> I, and I think and stuff like that keeps piling up. Like the company can say that they're gonna do things about it. And but if they don't actually do things about it, like people are actually gonna notice.
0: Yeah. For sure. It's not
1: enough to just kind of hope that people will forget about it, especially with something like you mentioned Candy Crush. Like um this the these games occupy a big part of the culture, for mm-hmm. better or worse. Yeah. I mean, it's not like trying to unionize at Menards an edina or whatever right like nobody's heard of that nobody in nobody in nobody in new york or los angeles knows what the fuck menards is, yeah most of the right? listeners
0: of this show will not know that menards is a local hardware store chain that is yeah most famous for having one really really big one in a suburb called golden valley and a jingle that is just horrifyingly catchy <laughs> Fuck that jingle. It's it's fucked up. Like whoever wrote it, I think there was a blood sacrifice involved. I get it stuck in my head like every fucking day. And I I never I've been at Menards once in like the last god knows how long. Anyway.
1: I've never been to a Menard. I'm not a Minnesota native, so a lot of the sort of local uh, you know things here that are elicit uh, strong responses from people I'm blissfully unaware of, yeah, all I know about Menards is when they made a guy use a forklift and didn't trade him, and he got killed, and then they kept the store open, yeah, so, that yeah not a good look, and it yeah. just is like it's oh. just um things I don't know, I don't know, I guess it is just sort of in the air, like you really have to pick a side. I'm not saying that like like. It's impossible to ignore the material conditions. I mean, because people can ignore it. I think it's hard. But I think what's more happening now is that, like, you, you can't be blissfully unaware. You just you, you end up picking a side. Yeah. And that's just only going to get more and more polarized as conditions get more and more dire for people. Like, yeah. you, you it, it eventually gets to be like, and I mean, we've seen this already. People on Twitter, employees at Activision who are vocal about this on social media and stuff, just like they get a lot of support. And we really appreciate everybody. Like, it's, it's been really inspiring, but they do get a lot of shit as well from, you know, trolls i guess which i feel yeah. is sort of a dismissive i mean like you're a bad person right you're not like <laughs> a troll yeah. makes it sound like it's like a hobby you know what i mean yeah but it's like no you're just an asshole like you would never say shit like that to anybody to their face in real life right because oh, you yeah. probably get hit
0: oh and yeah it's just
1: it's like the internet facilitates this like which i think goes to show um Anyway, my point was just that, like the game, game, game. People who are into games and who are going to be aware of this story will pick a side one way or the other. And unfortunately, the other side, quote unquote, as if it were some sort of debate, is just being like a completely reactionary, like misogynist, just like mean person. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a weird. I don't understand that position. Like, I for me, it's hard to see how anybody could be opposed to what we're doing. I understand right. the corporation is opposed to it because they don't want to pay us more. Mm-hmm. But like as far as regular people go or the consumers go, I really it's hard for me to get my head around that people would be against this outside of just like mean spiritedness.
0: Well, so no, this is something I did want to talk about. So this is a great segue into it. And it's something that I think is maybe it's a lot more speculative and it's maybe a little bit more of like my experience and your experience, but I do feel like the reason that a lot of this stuff, you know, either fails to gain traction or it's uh, difficult to gain traction, like within these conversations about how things are made and how workers are treated is because within gaming, there is like an epidemic of like centrism, like real deep-seated, head-in-the-sand-nothing-is-wrong centrism or, like, mm. yeah, I support the most, like, vague ideas of, you know, some sort of leftist thought, but at the end of the day, I just want my thing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like the first big hurdle for this movement and for, like, the future labor movement that is going to sweep through the games industry, because, like, it's inevitable, you know, is, like, first and foremost is obviously these companies because like they need to know that they need to address these things but I think the other thing that's going to be difficult is like convincing gamers to like really take a stand and really do something Mm. and that is something that I've been talking about since like the very first episode of this show and that I've gotten into fights with people about and I've gotten into (laughs) arguments with people about because it's like I don't know. I I think you do have to do something. And that's what's been kind of discouraging about the media surrounding this issue. The media coverage is like, for me, it's like looking at a site like Kotaku Mm. who are generally seen as left-leaning I think at least by their comment section which it might just be that their comment section is right-leaning but uh <laughs> they're seen that way and yet they kind of put out these articles that are like no one's sure if we should boycott this company or no one's sure what to do oh yeah
1: yeah well I have a there's a
0: specific thing about that which is like and I won't claim to
1: understand the sort of legal things around this right but we as employees I guess can't um call on people to to do anything that would affect the stock price of the company or something or like damage the product right. or something like that. I don't know the stipulation, but
0: basically we can't ask people to boycott the games. Right. But I don't think you should have to. I th- <laughs> I think it should, to me, a pretty basic response. If you were like, okay, let's say you're someone like me, you have Okay, besides this podcast, in terms of games, I have no media platform, right? I'm not Mm. on Twitter. Like, I, I literally have a Twitter account that I don't fucking use. Like, I'm not really directly engaging people about this stuff. So if I was reading this and I was saying, oh, well, fuck this company, my first response would literally just to be like, well, I'm going to pause giving them money. Like, sure. If I'm currently giving them money or soon planning to, I would think it would be natural to pause and to discuss this and that whenever a product by this company is brought up, it should at least be mentioned like as a parenthetical. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, here's the review of the new game published by this company parenthetical who are currently going through this here's the lawsuit like right and and i feel like that's all pretty natural shit and yet gamers have been fighting each other viciously <laughs> over this and also media outlets have kind of quietly put their hands up and done the like homer simpson back into the bushes thing where it's <laughs> like will we'll report on it when there's a big thing you know, like, okay, mm-hmm. there's a new lawsuit or like there's a new mm-hmm. breaking thing or like whatever. There's another strike. Which to be fair, there are many mm-hmm. of. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There has been a, there's an SEC invest. So
1: the, D, not to interrupt, but the California DFEH is a state thing. But now there's also a Securities and Exchange Commission right. investigation, I think. And um, the NLRB uh also filed a suit against Activision mm-hmm. and there's another acronym, another federal organization that I don't remember that has a concurrent thing going on and in, in, uh, along with the SEC thing, right. which is specifically about, so the head. So speaking of media coverage of this, right. um, I've seen headlines that say the SEC is investigating Activision over the sexual harassment allegations. Mm-hmm. That's not strictly true Um, because the SEC doesn't do anything with, you know, criminal stuff what they're concerned with is whether or not the company misled investors over how they were handling the sexual harassment
0: stuff mm, so it's
1: like a splitting hairs but like it's kind of important right it's hugely because
0: important i think
1: the sec doesn't give a shit about these people who were abused uh-huh. in their work. like no this is purely a money thing and to be fair if that works like if that gets them to change then you know, fine. It's better than nothing. Right. Yeah. It's not like, um, they're doing it out of some sort of concern for the employees.
0: Yeah. Well, for sure. I, I just think, I think that for the consumers, the big takeaway is that like, if you want to care about this stuff and you want to feel good about the things you buy, um, and the things you support, you do need to start caring about how workers are treated. Mm -hmm. And so it's like apart from any political stance or apart from any sort of like whatever you call yourself, it's like you need to care about how workers are treated. And if workers are coming out and saying, Hey, we're being mistreated, then like you need to care about that. I think, you know, that's obviously my opinion, but like, I, it's kind of like you're saying like i just don't see the other side of that personally i think
1: yeah so again my personal take on this is that especially with games it's such a thing that people have this kind of emotional bond with yeah and that makes it sound even if they don't take it really seriously it's something that people do as i'm not like just you know it's fun it's supposed to be a sort of even if you're playing something and like i know i was talking shit about you know the photo like i'm a big fan of horror movies yeah and death metal and like plenty of horrible shit like yeah. i don't have a moral <laughs> problem with that or anything yeah like, for sure it's just in the service of like why are you what are you trying to tell me right like, yeah yeah <laughs> but anyway um So even if you're indulging in something like really dark and horrible, it's, this is like a form of like being able to regulate your emotions and like just this fucking stress and shittiness of being in the world, which is just like grindingly tedious all the time. Yeah. And so I think people maybe have this instinctual thing where they're like, I don't want, I don't want to have to be faced with injustice in my fun space now to either like, ah, uh,
0: it's here also yeah. like, ah, uh, it's every, like you can't there's nowhere to hide Yeah, from how no, horrible it, everything is I know, and that's like the thing that drives me crazy is it's just like well, yeah, everything's horrible <laughs> like, fucking, right, right, right. fucking shit, man, like what do you want like, that's what it, it is, what it is like, majorly uh and yeah, no, but I know exactly what you're saying, and that's actually it's frustrating and like i said i think that is going to be one of the big obstacles not one that i don't think it's insurmountable at all but i do think it's going to be like a sufficient like challenge which is to get people to realize that even if something is entertainment even if something is just what you do for fun or what you do to turn your brain off and relax that like you also have to care about how it's made. And if something comes to light, you might have to change your behaviors. You might have to change your spending patterns and mm. and stuff like that. I think it's so like, you know, kind of briefly touch on the other strike that I mentioned right off top, which is the IATSE strike that is threatening to go live in Hollywood, which is basically a bunch of like behind the scenes workers on film and television productions are kind of threatening to strike over working conditions. Like, Mm. that would be a huge thing that would really change media production for quite a while, even if it just starts and it's a short strike. It'll send stuff spiraling into delays and blah blah blah. And like, it's interesting because this happened, well, not this same thing, but something similar happened like many years ago. Like, in the early 2000s there was a writer's strike. And at that time it was a big deal but I don't think there was a ton of consumer support for it because what ended up happening was reality television. Like that's literally oh, how we got reality television was that there was a writers strike and so instead of immediately going into like you know try to work with the people who were striking these companies were like, well, how do you make shows without writers?
1: Right, exactly. And so that's like just briefly to like this is why I mean I've seen this Point mentioned in some media coverage where like um, yeah in principle for me personally I support you know anything to help affect changing the company's decision but the company facing a loss of revenue doesn't necessarily mean they're gonna do anything to help the employees it just yeah. means they could fire their whole QA department
0: yeah exactly that and that's the crazy thing is people who are either choosing to be ignorant or just who are ignorant are are saying you know the argument that it's like well if everybody stops buying their games and giving them money they're gonna fire the employees you're actually hurting the employees if like you decide not to give them money and it's like dude that's, that's sort of disingenuous
1: I mean because yeah. it's that the company is set up like um they could do that whenever they wanted to anyway yeah I mean it, 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 even if that were true that's just, that's still just an argument in favor of trying to reorganize the company. Like the fact that they're able to do that should betray the fact that like, not only do they not care about the employees, they don't care about having any sort of like consistency internally or like Uh, having a team of people that they like can trust and rely on to produce good products. They just, it's just expendable.
0: Well, and this is something that's been reported on for years now, which is that the video game industry bleeds talent and Mm. people move on because there's no stability. And I think to abstract it out to just entertainment in general, like the fact that everything is digital media now means that these same struggles exist everywhere so it's like for me in music it's like I'm a freelancer the minute I decided to do music as an audio engineer not as like a music because I also am a musician but like the minute I decided to be an audio engineer full time it was like okay I'm a freelancer basically forever you know like even (laughs) if I get a contract for a project or a contract for a certain year time or whatever I'm not an employee I have been since that which was like over 10 years ago I have been an employee once Mm. (laughs) like I was a W2 once and it went really badly because they did not want me to be a Uh, W2. And anyway, uh, the point is that like (laughs) this is now spreading everywhere. So it's like these same struggles are going to keep happening because you have these workforces made up of people who are, you know, maybe not employees, maybe just contractors. Maybe it's like way harder for them to unionize. It's way harder for them to get fair treatment and rights and all this stuff. And so it's like, oh yeah, like you as a consumer, you have to get used to this and you have to get used to reading about this and think about like what you're going to do to respond because it's like, Everything is digital media now. Everything is powered by like a huge underbelly of freelancers and underpaid people. And right. That fucking sucks, but it is what it is. Yeah. And it'll come to
1: like, I don't mean to be, you know, too melodramatic about it or anything, but like it'll happen to you. You know, like if you have a secure job now, it won't be that way in five years. Yeah. I mean, unless you're like uh, secure in the sense that like you are, I don't know, some sort of one of those jobs that pays you six figures to do nothing.
0: And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You
1: would probably be fine. But I mean, if you have like, uh it's just they the the executives if they can turn your job into a into a shift work like gig economy thing where where you pick up shifts through an app they'll do it to you yeah. like <laughs> they want to do that to everybody yeah i mean so yeah like i mentioned i work in qa um we in minnesota we're technically not contractors. We are on what they call a temporary employment agreement. I've not really been able to find any specific sort of legal statutes about what that means, but huh. perhaps I just haven't looked hard enough.
0: Do you mind um, me asking what form you get? Like, Oh God. Oh, oh, well, what do you mean? Like for, um, for a for taxes, I get a W2. Okay. So it is a W2. Yeah. That's well, yeah. that's, that's different. Yeah. Cause like that was my, at my job, I was a 1099 and then they basically freaked out because they're like, "You're here too much." And I was like, "Well, you <laughs> keep you keep telling me to come in." And they're like, "Well, yeah. can you work from home?" And I was like, "In that job, it was not to get too detailed. It was impossible." And I was like, mm-hmm. "No, I cannot set up an entire workshop in my one bedroom apartment <laughs> uh, with like machinery and shit." So no. Uh, And then I was like, you need to make me a W2, but Mm. it's okay. So yeah, 1099 is the one where it's just like, you are pretty fucked. Uh. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't know what
1: they get in Texas, but for instance, they have another QA studio down in Texas, which is they, those people do my exact same job. Mm -hmm. Um, but because of the difference in state, you know, laws, they make $2 less per hour. Wow. They are completely contracted, like they're just scalped off by a third-party agency who makes twice any given individual employee's wages, right from Activision. Yeah. And they don't have any paid time off or benefits or sick time or anything like that. Yeah. Like here in Minnesota when my quote-unquote contract ends, I can get unemployment. Yeah. In Texas, they can't do that. And those people do my exact same job. There's yeah. no reason why. So that's something that those of, those of us in QA have our kind of specific set of demands. Like, um, you know, first of all, we want it all. We want it to be, I guess, mostly full-time employees. We say we want them to be no contract. Like all QA and all CS people should be full-time employees. Yeah, realistically we know that there there's always going to be some amount of contracting because of projects start and end, right? It's like in Hollywood, right. but like in Hollywood, the the end of a project shouldn't fucking doom you and like potentially leave you homeless or leave you unable to get medication because you don't have insurance anymore. Yeah. Uh, sure. So we want that across the board for all QA people, you know, equalization of wage. We want everybody to be paid more. Like we get, I mean, we get fifteen dollars an hour here in Minnesota, which I think is like I think the minimum wage in the county is fourteen fifty yeah um it's not not a livable wage I'm right saying, is how I'll say that,
0: yeah, which is also crazy because <laughs> like it's a recent thing that it's becoming the minimum wage in, in certain places. And like, you know, it's like kind of like working towards like nationwide minimum wage, but it's like, yeah, that's not like great. Like, no, it's not enough. When I was making $15 an hour, I, I mean, I had another job, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And also I have, I mean, considering my age, I basically have no responsibilities like considering that I'm 33 and I don't have like kids or debt. Right. Exactly. I'm I'm basically just like an adult teenager in that regard.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that works. And I mean, if you choose like that's, uh, same basically right like yeah. i don't have i have i can afford it because i have a really good i rent but it's a really good rental situation yeah for sure which i'm lucky to have now after having been through a lot of shitty rental situations in minneapolis yep. which i'm sure is like you know a whole separate podcast <laughs> that i could go talk
0: on minneapolis yeah
1: <laughs> but like um yeah it's just i mean maybe maybe as this $15 an hour becomes more widespread. Well, I saw the, I saw a story recently of some study that was like, you, you can't afford rent, uh, for a one bedroom apartment on the minimum wage anywhere in the United States.
0: Oh yeah. Oh like
1: Okay. so cool. How do you expect people to like live and have a society then? Like, uh, you know, what do you want people to do? Like, I, I don't understand how you can expect to have an economy if nobody has any money.
0: Yeah, dude. Well, like I remember, I worked, um, I worked a job for minimum wage once. It was like right, like end of high school, beginning of college, and I kind of like did it on a lark because I just like got. I don't know. One of my friends was like, "Do you want to work at electronics boutique?" I was like, (laughs) "Hell yeah, sure, man!" And I went there and I didn't know how much it paid, but I was I don't know what I was expecting because like I had. Uh, I had been working, but I had always just done like yard work and like shit like that. You get paid like way more than minimum wage doing that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I, just, I went in and they're like, yeah, okay. So it pays like $7.50 an hour. And I was like, <laughs> whoa, okay. <laughs> yes. And so then like, it was just funny because it really kind of opened my eyes that it's like, man, people like some people like really just work for nothing and are like super fucking struggling because like I was only able to do that and I only did it for like six months, I think, but it was because I could live with my sister and I didn't pay rent. Mm. Right. And like, I bought my own food, but also like she cooked every night. And so it's like, well, <laughs> i once again, it's like, I'm basically like, that was like, I was being a child. And then, but then like, you know, f six months after that, I got a job that was, was paying like 1250 an hour, which, you know, in 2007 was like, not bad, you know, mm. but like, yeah. It was just crazy where it's just like, oh yeah, I could never even that job was not great pay, but it was like, I don't think I could like work for less than this like yeah that's yeah, fucking yeah. crazy, but yeah, the whole the whole minimum wage thing is insane, you know, it's like clearly set up by people who just do not give a fuck about the people who are gonna be making that money I think it's just like um
1: I mean the whole uh, it's easy to. Like this is why we advocate so much just internally in our own sort of work organizing spaces for QA it's because like sometimes people don't really see the connection between like what is what is what is having what is paying QA more money have to do with preventing sexual harassment and discrimination right, right. And it's like, well, the whole... So they, they describe it as the, the frat boy culture, right? Right. And that sort of culture is inculcated at the bottom of the fucking ladder. Right. I mean, the QA is your first step into the organization, which in itself is misleading because you can't really move up from there. Right. I mean, most of the time. Right. And so, like, if they can just treat those if they if they can treat every qa worker like shit across the board regardless of whether or not they're a woman or a person of color even though those people certainly get the shitter end of the stick right right like but they're not doing it they don't they don't they don't they don't, they don't they're not discriminating against QA. They're systematically exploiting QA. Right. Right. And that is like the ground in which the harassment grows out of. Yeah. Right. Like they're like, why should we give a fuck about you at any level unless you can do something for us?
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, and there's also that kind of power dynamic to it as well, where it's like, well, if we can't pay people more, we can give them the power to do something That makes it feel like a perk and if we create this culture where people can just be shitty to each other for certain people that becomes a perk and it's like oh sure no you should be trying to create a workplace that's built around like respect and equality and then people will just be happy to come to work and they'll be happy like with their wage and like with the respect that they're afforded like even if they're not you know maybe they're not going to move up at this company or whatever but it's like well they're just like happy with the the position they have instead yeah. of yeah like you can very easily create a toxic and negative workplace just by like feeding into that kind of bullshit you know
1: right like i didn't plan on i had no they definitely, perhaps this speaks to the split in the gaming community as well. Like, uh, they, they bank on people doing this job and putting up with a lot of bullshit because working in the games industry is like their dream. Right. For me personally, that's not the case. I just kind of, uh, bungled my way into this. (laughs) Sure. Um, but it's fucking cool. Like I like this job a lot. It's way better than working in a kitchen. Yeah. Um, i I don't really have plans to i don't really have any desire to learn coding or anything like that, so I don't want to do i would like to do sound design. I'm into that sort of shit, but they don't really need this is a you know um crowded field right yeah. like i would be fine doing q a if it was sustainable. It's right. a cool job um even if i have like i'm not moralistic enough to be opposed to working on call of duty. Right. Right. It's just my fucking job. Yeah. I mean, for sure. (laughs) But like, it's just as, so it's like, you can either get into it and like have this sort of positive and empathetic and creative sense of like, I want to work on games because I'm passionate about it. And I can like express something of my creative, whatever's, or you can get into games because it's a field that has a lot of money in it and you enables people to be kind of predatory psychopaths and like, you know, especially towards women or other uh, you know, anybody who's not male presenting basically. Yeah,
0: for sure. Well, yeah. And it's like, you know, people need jobs and the company needs people to do the jobs. I think there's all this kind of like, when you get into these disputes, there's suddenly all this uh, move to like manufacture the narrative that they don't need the workers or they don't need the job done. it's just like, yes you do. (laughs) And you need to treat people with respect and you need to treat people like humans. And yeah, you know, it's not just important in the, I mean, you mentioned this earlier, but I think it's not just important within entertainment or gaming or whatever. It's important. Like, In every field, because like, Mm -hmm. yeah, if a company like Amazon is going to exist, like, and it's going to need people to do jobs, it's going to need a lot of people to do jobs. Those people need to be treated with respect and those workers like need to have the things they need to have to do the job. And it's like, we really are at this crossroads of like, okay, is this like are we going to go this way and everyone is just like struggling forever? Or are we going to go this other way? And people can at least like just get a job, do their job. It doesn't ruin their health. It doesn't like put them into an even deeper struggle because they're not getting paid enough, like et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And it's like, I don't know. I feel like we're really at a crossroads and the Amazon thing once that's almost like a totally, it's not a totally different issue, but there's a lot more going on with that issue. And it's just like, yeah, man, if we're just in this and we're just going to be dealing with this, then like we need people to be treated better. Like we need people to be paid better because yeah, Otherwise, like you're if you let these companies get off this argument that like, well, it's not skilled labor. We don't need people to do this and that. And the other thing, it's like, right, then you're. Yeah, it's like you're saying it's going to happen to you. You know, I think the people who are trying to ignore this issue or downplay this issue, it's like you're just fucking yourself unless you're independently wealthy. You are fucking yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to take a pretty serious look at like, um, uh, you know, how much longer are your is your skill going to be considered? Skilled, oh yeah, and, and, and until it gets automated or or replaced by an algorithm, and yeah. and then the human workers just become. I think I don't know too much about the Amazon stuff, but I think the connection is that like, um, with all these companies, or like with Uber or whatever, um, the algorithms and the digital stuff become the main thing that like the public is interfacing with and consuming and that people are aware of and then the 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 human workers are just kind of like like uh, like bits of tape just kind of crammed into all the places where the algorithm doesn't quite work properly yeah. or can't do everything yeah. and those are only going to get further and further ironed out you yeah. know, I remember uh, even five or six years ago when I moved here um I I got I have a BA in philosophy so you know not exactly um uh and like a rich job market Sure for that. Yeah. Um so it's like, ah, oh, what am I going to do here?" And um this woman I was dating at the time was like, "Oh, you should go to one of these like coding boot camps, right?" Yeah. It was like you pay I don't know, like $9,000 for like a six week program where they teach you Python or something. And I was like, I don't really want to do that. And also I can't really afford it. Right. Um, but anyway, there's this sort of perception that like and now it's like coding coding jobs is all gig all freelance shift work, right? Yeah, that yep. like they just advertise on like late night TV, home shopping network and like advertisements on the side of the bus. Right. And it's just like not not a secure job anymore. Right. I mean, none of this stuff. Uh, even even things is like uh even you know, they just they 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 can commodify any interaction right less and less things actually get produced and more and more it just becomes like um oh if if you're interacting with another person or object or the world in any way you can probably make money off of that yeah. it's like microtransactions except in reality
0: yeah no exactly and I, and yeah that's why this is So important because it's like I think the whole labor movement is saying you need to view people as people and their work as valuable as opposed to trying to do it on the company's terms or trying to win on their terms. Because, like you're saying, it doesn't matter what you come up with. If you say, I'm good at X, I'm good at Y, I'm good at Z, eventually it'll be commodified, eventually it will become Mm -hmm. unskilled labor. I mean, yeah, dude, I've been in a fucking professional engineer for years and years and years. And every time I open up SoundCloud to post episodes of my podcast, there's a little button that says, Hey, do you want to master this? And it's like, <laughs> fuck
1: you, you know, and it's, it's like, yeah, oh. exactly. And then yeah. they're just like, Oh, just put a, just, um, you know, put a high pass filter and uh, like crank up the compression and some algorithm. It's like, ah, oh, perfect.
0: Yeah. sounds great. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like you, you need to advocate for yourself. Like, the, you know, workers need to advocate for themselves and yeah which is great cr- yeah. like
1: you'd think these free market people would understand that they'd be like oh well you agreed to your wage when you signed the contract to have this job didn't you yeah. it's like well yeah but why does that now preclude us from undertaking to negotiate for higher wages in our own self interest like what are you talking yeah. about how is that not the free market like yeah, yeah people aren't going to go work in a warehouse when there's a fucking pandemic like how is that not the free market like yeah. what are you talking talking
0: talking (laughs) about well yeah Yeah. i mean the whole the whole stance the whole free market capitalist stance is a fucking scam because it's just rules for thee, not for me where it's Mm -hmm. like you know i can do whatever i want i and you know you have to sit in your box yeah it's it's such a scam it's such like intense bullshit but yeah and and people are realizing it once again it's like now is the time because like everyone everyone just had a bad fucking year (laughs) everyone is just having a hard time and it's like oh yeah let's just do this now let's just square this now because like yeah it's not sustainable
1: right and even if you make enough money to live like which a lot of the people who i know uh don't really yeah but if you even if you do like if you have a good job you're still like why the fuck should i go back to the office yeah right like yeah even if you're not in a precarious position, like you can still, I mean, you kind of are first of all. Yeah. And a second, like it's just, people are like, yeah, well, nobody I know can afford to put a down payment on a house or have kids, uh, you know, on purpose. Right. And so it's like, well, do you want like, <laughs> do you want people to participate in Society or no, because like you're gonna, I mean, it's, it, it's like it's just it's just unsustainable it's just practically like you don't even need the morals right like the moral thing is important like you should demand fucking basic human dignity but you don't even need to be on that level it's just practically unsustainable like people can't live like this
0: i think that's super interesting because it's just another reason why like the time is now for these sort of actions to happen and these conversations to happen because like our generation, you know, millennials, I guess, are really the first people who started to to actually feel the effects of, like, how fucked everything is, you know? Mm-hmm. And it kind of started with, like, you know, all the jokes about, like, oh, millennials are ruining the housing market. You know, millennials oh, are... Oh, I love those. Yeah. yeah. Millennials are killing the diamond industry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stuff like that. And then I feel like now with everything that's happened over the last couple of years, it's like... Oh, okay. So now we're all in agreement that that's horseshit and that basically we got sold a bill of goods and we're just, you know, everything is fucked. So like there just needs to be changed. Cause yeah, it's like none of this stuff is sustainable. All the stuff that like our parents' generation got to do, it just doesn't make sense to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's I like I don't know
1: if this is like entirely accurate, but I read the statistic once that like um so the baby boomer generation, like our parents. I know some millennials have Gen X parents, but I have old parents, so they're baby boomers. Right. And I read once that their generation were the only ones to be economically better off than both their parents and their children.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure.
1: (laughs) What What kind of like Roman empire shit is this?
0: Yeah, (laughs) no, for sure. And it's just like, yeah, it's just really, really frustrating for people to not understand that it's like, there are systemic things that can be changed to like address that problem because it is a problem it's a huge problem yeah. and, and like that's that's what we need to be working on um, but it's just it's hard because there's always going to be that like propaganda for the system you know and there are going to be enough people for whom the system works regardless of their age mm. that like there's always going to be that like American aspiration you know you're like well i'm barely paying my bills but i know somebody who has a house and two kids and isn't struggling who's my same age so you know i must right you as know. if
1: that has i mean i think that's part of like you were saying the kind of propagandistic like anti-union stuff and, and yeah. broadly anti kind of labor and class awareness in general is like you think of things as um and I still find myself in this habit thinking in sort of generational terms, like the primary demographic thing yeah. that drives. And this is because I'm white, right? So it's really easy for me to have this kind of blinders on perspective about identity. But like, right? As if my point is just like, yeah, as if the as if generation is like the thing that determines. You know this is goes to like the thing the memes about baby boomers as well, right? It's yeah. like not all baby boomers are like rich, kind of like stuffy, unaware, like there are plenty of baby boomers who are still working right I get the I get the jokes, and I, I think they're funny, and I'm sympathetic because I'm not a big fan of the culture that we inherited from them, oh yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, I know somebody who's like of my. Who's sort of like me, who is successful, right? And it's like, yeah. well, you don't know like that person. Uh, like, well, like in music, right? When I started doing DIY music, I was like, how the fuck do all these people afford to do this? And yeah. then the longer you do it, you realize it's like because their parents have money more often <laughs> than not. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, and they just never talk about it, And you're like, oh, it's like some kind of mystery or something. And uh, yeah. No, it's actually very simple.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Oh it's super simple. Yeah.
1: Well you can understand then why people don't talk about it, right? Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> this Everyone, is perhaps yeah. like the ethical thing. It's like people in 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 the music scene because there's this sort of um you know big aesthetic component to it people want to have this certain image of this is one of the things that i think we inherited from the baby boomers that i don't like is this kind of rock and roll you know like individualist like you have to be like a cool person with an interesting life which basically just means like a fucking drug addict and rapist you know (laughs) and like (laughs) yeah just like But that's kind of undercut. It's like there's this sort of awareness that, like, uh, if you have money, that's not authentic, you know? And so people purposefully um, obfuscate their connections.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, and even just in, like, engineering, like, it used to be a big thing. um, Back when I was friends with any engineers, (laughs) it used to be a big thing that, like, people just wouldn't tell each other their rates, and it was just funny because we were all kind of just doing the corporate thing of not sharing wages but like we were self-imposing it because like (laughs) I think everyone was afraid (laughs) that someone else would like undercut them or or something or or whatever and it was just like so Mm, stupid that's really interesting yeah or it's the same deal where you find people who like have a crazy setup and you're just like how did that guy get that setup and everyone was like well he has an investor or he has a parent or whatever and yeah it's just like yeah. The transparency helps with all of that. Cause it's like, yeah, when, when everything is obfuscated, you just don't even know where to aim, you know? Like, and I was like, for years I was aiming to have my own space and my own studio and blah, blah, blah. And then when I was forced out of it, it was actually like the best thing that happens. So it's like, Oh, it's way easier to just be a freelancer and roll up on someone else's place and just, you know, do it that yeah, way. Yeah. And I think this kind of gets
1: to like the limits of like what we're running up against now is perhaps the limits of the digital content platforms, right? Right. Like the internet was supposed to be the sort of thing in which anybody could kind of, there's this like sort of co-equal playing field where you didn't have to rely on publishers or record labels, et cetera, right. et cetera, which I always thought was kind of a naive test. like, I can't believe people used to actually believe that, but I guess <laughs> they did. But yeah. it shows that it's like there is a benefit, but we've also now run up against the benefits of doing everything on your own, right? Yeah. Like if you're totally freelance and you do everything fucking diy and like you don't have any connect like that's basically an aesthetic choice at this point right like if you're not on the internet it's because it's part of your like persona sure because it's impossible to do otherwise yeah and so it's, it's sort of like it's i guess this is related again to games it's like you can't expect like we're not gonna like there's not going to be like a workers co-op that is making call of duty, right? right. Like, I mean, maybe, I don't know. Maybe, maybe in ten years that statement will seem really naive. Right. Like uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or sooner, hopefully. But you know what I mean? It's like there's yeah. there's it's it's not enough to just be like, oh, you know, we have to uh, build dual power outside of the st- structures of state and corporations and blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, you, you can't, it's not, you can't like, um, you know, if we did the revolution tomorrow or whatever, what are you going to do with, uh, an organization like the NSA, right? Yeah. Who spies on everybody in the whole planet. You can't just like collectivize that or, or, yeah. or dismantle it either. I mean, it's just as, I don't have any sort of, this is kind of a, a, wide tangent but it's interesting to me to just like there has to be a reasonable thread between the sort of like reliance on these gargantuan platforms and like a sort of basic just like ethical principled kind of respect for human dignity would be nice i guess like not having it just be like Any given person represents a series of data points that we can commodify. But if there were just like some sort of, I don't know, this sounds so hippy dippy and idealistic as I'm saying it out loud. Just like some sort of like vibes in which everybody was cool.
0: (laughs) No, I no, you know what? It's funny though because I know it's an ethical thing. It's an
1: ethical problem. Like you have to have respect. Like it's not just about numbers.
0: Yeah. No, I know exactly what you're saying, and I think that. What you're saying is like once again it's just there needs to be some respect for human life. There needs to be some like respect for people and people need to be treated fairly, right? Like even within an unfair unjust system. Like Yeah, either do that or admit that you don't care. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I feel no, I I totally agree and I think that's one of the reasons I get so frustrated with like gamer centrism is that like one of its main tenants in my eyes is that just like everything is too big to fail. So it's like, Mm. why would anything ever change? Like the system just works, even if you don't like it, you know? And I think that's so frustrating because it's like, no, the system doesn't work and it can be changed and it should be changed. Like we're at these crossroads. We're having these conversations. Like why wouldn't you at least listen, if not contribute to that conversation, you know, because yeah, it's like, the revolution and all this stuff that we think about and that we like long for. It's like, I mean, it doesn't happen overnight <laughs> if it happens at all. So it's like, right. We need to be making those smaller day-to-day changes that we can make now. Now, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: And I wonder if that has something, but you say about the gamer centrism, I wonder if I'm going to do some psychologizing again. Okay. I wonder if that doesn't have something to do with like, um, games themselves. It's like, in a game, when you're playing a game, you can't change the system. You might be able to exploit it in certain ways that weren't intended. but like you're always working in this set of rules that is predictable and uh has a certain causality to it. And like even if you get really, really good to where you can fucking speed run, you know, Super Mario 3 in eight minutes or whatever, like, I don't even know. People are probably going to be like, that's not accurate at all. That's that's way too long. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I have no clue either. (laughs) Anyway, but like, you know, like people will play the same, people will play the same game over and over and over again and refine the technique because there's a certain kind of joy in working within a predictable system. People like that. It's comforting. And, and it's not like I'm sounding dismissive. I like that too. Right. Like I like, metal music right which is super fucking formulaic it all sounds like I just like good riffs you know I like having a good time I don't need I don't need everybody to be experimenting and pushing the limits of the genre like sometimes I just want to listen to something that fucking rocks
0: yeah oh yeah
1: (laughs) sometimes I just want to play Mario like but anyway like it's something about like the system like you can't maybe the logic there gets imposed like there's so there's something about it's like the confusion between the game logic and the real world logic where in the real world there is no system i mean there is a system but it's not encoded it's just a sort of set of norms that people
0: semi-consciously agree to follow that's interesting i i think there's something to that because it's like and it kind of is a different way maybe a more analytical way of sort of what we were saying earlier where it's like it's hard to have these conversations about media in general not just games but tv or whatever because it's such a part of people's everyday lives Mm. that it becomes like a part of their daily routine you know it's like Mm. brushing your teeth you know what i mean it's like if someone's trying to tell you to like examine brushing your teeth you're like fuck you (laughs) (laughs) or
1: like oh "Oh, yeah right well it's like or like the mat like anti-mask stuff yeah it's such a small thing that doesn't like in inconvenience you really in any meaningful way but people just fucking hate it because it's an interruption to their like just day-to-day small petty little bit of autonomy that they still have that they cling to desperately and they're like
0: yeah (laughs) unfortunately though it's like yo we live in the age of interruption like there's like that's just where we are like everything is fucked up and everyone just has (laughs) to like formulate you have to formulate a response that's what it's like being alive right now it's like everything got interrupted everything's messed up like just just figure out how you're gonna respond and and try not Mm. to be a piece of shit I guess you know
1: yeah or do i mean that's that <laughs> seems to be one of the two options Is just yeah. going full-on mask off piece of shit you're like yeah this is just what i do now i, mean, I don't know yeah bitcoin yeah. like crypto and fucking drop shipping and <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh no you i've seen it before my my very own eyes <laughs>